BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Means that the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. Who's got the number one pick in this year's draft? Who's got the number one pick in this year's draft? Basketball! Select Isaiah Stewart. The Detroit Pistons select Killian Hayes. Sadiq, that was absolutely sensational. I don't know what went into that process. I met the criteria to be selected, but I wasn't. From long range. Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace Pistons Podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mike Angolano, and joining me as always is Aaron Johnson and Jasper Apollonia. Fellas, do we have a little bit of All-Star Weekend hangover? All-Star Weekend was not, I don't think, I don't want to say it was great. I also don't want to say it was really bad, but dunk contest was pretty boring. The three-point contest was a lot of bad shooting in that opening round. And I mean, I enjoyed the all-star game. I thought that was good. I mean, watching Steph go nuclear was really fun. Obviously Kate Cunningham had a really nice performance. So did Sadiq Bay and Isaiah Stewart in the rising stars challenge. Um, but it feels weird not having any like regular season games on tap, like for the next couple of days. And we haven't had them for a couple of days. So it feels very weird not having NBA basketball really on our hands here on a nightly basis. So I'd, it's a little bit of a lull for sure, but All-Star Weekend, you know, definitely enjoyed the All-Star game, and uh, the Pistons looked pretty good. So did the Cavs. So excited to uh, get into this show. But it's our one podcast before the NBA returns, and I am so ready for it to be back. It was a weird one. I can't remember the last time where I've watched an All-Star Weekend and A, been happy with how every Piston performed, uh, or even... <laughs> Uh, had Pistons to watch in there, but uh, I know I can't remember the last time I watched an all-star weekend where both of three point shootout and a dunk contest and basically all of the, the things surrounding the all-star game were no fun at all. And the all-star game itself was actually really enjoyable and kind of like a great fun watch, especially that fourth quarter when Steph was going just freaking flamethrower mode. But not just that, like you actually had players going all out. I love seeing Giannis bust his ass on defense for the entire game, not just the fourth quarter when most guys woke up. And I think that the Elam ending especially is for something like the All-Star game that doesn't have any real world implications on the NBA, especially for something like the All-Star game. I think it is just the perfect, the perfect way to actually get those competitive juices flowing for these players, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And I have to say, I'm I'm quite excited. And not just that, I also enjoyed the, the 75th anniversary 
uh, I thought that 75th anniversary team unveiling was hilarious because you know the only reason Michael Jordan even showed up because they went, okay, Mike, you can go on last. (laughs) You know he called someone and said, I'll come, but only if I get to be the last guy to go up there. And then, of course, he stands in the middle of the podium because he's Michael freaking Jordan, and he can't help but take any opportunity he can to to paint himself as the greatest. Uh, I just thought that was hilarious. So it was, yeah, it was quite enjoyable, and I'm somewhat ready for the Pistons to get to get going again against Mike's Cavaliers on Thursday. Yes, quite the way to uh, bring us back into the season, of course, with the Cavs and Pistons going back at it. And, you know, I did enjoy the All-Star game. I watched the skills challenge the dunk contest three-point shootout. I thought Cat winning the three-point shootout is kind of fun, having a big win it. Uh, the Cavs showed out in the skills challenge. I can't exactly tell you I knew all of the rules for the skills challenge. It seemed super convoluted the entire time. But, uh, you know, the Cavs win, and Evan Mobley hits a half-court shot to seal the deal, just like we all thought. But uh, the dunk contest was lacking, particularly, I mean, if Cole Anthony maybe hit that, that shot after putting on some Tim's <laughs> so and, uh, and, and the Greg Anthony yeah. jersey, <laughs> maybe that's better, but. Hey, that, that ass that ass be the the uh the the dunk contest was mad brick mad brick that ass you know cole anthony tried to go out there and do it the aki way but he just couldn't that ass be that's how it is <laughs> that was some so real incredibly lost right now i just yeah like that was some out. new york stuff right there he's wearing the tims uh, you know who else talk, took a huge l mike was your boy jared allen who apparently was wearing the worst outfit ever put together Apparently. Uh, jeans and a hoodie. I don't know. I kind of dug yeah. it. You know what? That it was I, fine. I respect it. it was I, fine. I, I respect it. I, I thought mean, that he was signed so a, he signed a hundred million dollar contract. I guess everyone expected him to be rolling up with a gold chain and just luxury everything. But mm-hmm. I mean, the guy I found out he made the all-star game while playing Pokemon. I think the <laughs> outfit he was wearing screams Pokemon. And screams somebody that would find out they're going to play in the All Star game while where or while playing Pokemon. He 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 was fine. He looked comfortable. He's in his home arena. Who cares? I no. just the just the animosity was like he, he should have showed up. He should have showed up looking like Denzel at the boxing match in the middle right. of uh, American Gangster. You know yeah. what I mean? Just decked out. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure if he was able to bring his switch and it wouldn't have been like a gigantic, you know, issue on social media, I'm, I'm sure he would have. But uh, <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> um, yeah. What about Jalen Green uh, handing the, I, I guess it was a phone, hand, handing it to Isaiah Thomas? I didn't quite get it. I didn't have the sound on at that point. Um, yeah, the dunk contest was just so bizarre. Uh, I did you guys see that clip of Kareem walking out in the middle of I did. Greens? Yeah, <laughs> I was like, yeah. it was one of those kind of dunk contests. It's funny, we get a good one every decade. The 2000s had the Vince Carter dunk contest, plus the Gerald yeah. Green cupcake dunk, which I will go to my grave as saying is one of the best dunks ever. Uh, we had you know, we had that 2016 dunk contest, which was six years ago or five years ago, hard to believe, with. Aaron Gordon, who got robbed, and uh, obviously Zach Levine's. So, who knows? We, we're due for another good one 
sometime this decade. It certainly was not Saturday night. It was not Saturday night. It was not Saturday night. Obi Toppin winning in the in the state where he went to college, I guess, is the only redeemable factor. But even then, I think everybody thought, okay, uh, now we can go to bed. And that's exactly what Kareem was thinking. Um, certainly hope nobody bet on the dunk contest. Um, I'm sure that there were plenty of bets about it. Um, if one of those bets was uh, everybody gets 10 takes instead of the usual amount, then they probably would have won that bet. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure if that was a possible bet, it would have been on Bet Online. And Bet Online is back better than ever with a new web interface for the second half of the basketball season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head on over to the new updated desktop or mobile website. Sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code BLEAV50. That's bleav five zero to get your 50% welcome bonus. From basketball, football, kind of over, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. And again, that promo code is believe 50 B L E A V five zero to get 50% uh, to receive rather your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts and where the real game starts for the Pistons. It seems like it's going to be in free agency since we're kind of looking towards how this team is going to look for next year. Again, much like last year, figuring out which pieces of this current team are going to be sticking around next year's team. And our first topic for the day is that the Pistons are expected to heavily pursue Jalen Brunson in free agency. They've been tied to him for quite a while. There was some trade chatter about him, perhaps with a Jeremy Grant swap to Dallas. Detroit reached out to the Mavericks at the deadline. Talks went nowhere. That kind of makes sense. The Pistons are expected to go after him in free agency, and he will be in unrestricted free agent. Um, fellas, we've talked about Jalen Brunson. We've talked about him in the group chat. I think he's a good fit next to Cade Cunningham. I think that move makes a lot of sense. Um, any thoughts on the Pistons expected to pursue Jalen Brunson in free agency? Jalen Brunson is no doubt a good player. He's having a phenomenal season in Dallas. And, you know, he's a guy that was a second round pick. It's not like he was a top, you know, lottery pick or anything like that. Second round pick that's had a very, very good career so far coming in in the last season of his uh, original contract. I really like him, but it's just, it's going to be tough to convince me that the Pistons should spend $20 million a year on him, which is, you know, the talk about where his contract is going to be around. You know, it's everyone that I've seen talk about it is expecting him to earn around $20 million a season. And for a six foot guard that is good on offense, but it's going to be really hard to keep him on the floor defensively in key moments of the game. It's just really hard for me to buy into that as being a useful way to spend cap space. When there are a lot of other needs on this team. I'm also part of the camp that would much rather spend money on getting allowing K to play point guard and filling out the roster the rest of the way, you know, Jalen Brunson's playing obviously a lot of lead guard in Dallas. I know Luka Doncic is there sapping up ball handling responsibility as well. So there is kind of like that 
well, if you can do it with Luca, it should be a seamless transition to doing it with Cade, which I do understand, but I just know it's going to be really tough to keep him on the floor in key moments of games when this team, you know, is eventually in the playoffs, you know, playing those big, important games. It's going to be easier for teams to really pick on him. So uh, I I do like Jalen Brunson. If for some reason they were able to get him cheaper, I think it'd be a lot easier of a deal to make. Uh, but he's had a very, very productive season. I mean, he's shooting over 50% from the floor. He's shooting 55% from the two-point line. He's shooting 37% from the three-point line. He's a very good distribu- distributor. You know, doesn't turn the ball over a ton. And he's just, he is a good basketball player. So I'm not super opposed to the move. It just is going to come down to what that contract looks like. Are you going to be able to mask him in lineups? Like, will you have enough? defensive versatility in a lineup that allows Jalen Brunson to close games, uh, you know, and, and we know Detroit's not been a great defensive team this year. So I don't know if they have the ability to do that either. Um, but definitely it sounds like he is very high on their list. They talked to Dallas at the trade deadline, even though the talks were, I guess it was reported that Dallas was like, or Detroit, you know, was like, Hey, we're interested in Jalen Brunson. And essentially Dallas was like, well, yeah, we like Cade Cunningham. So those talks went nowhere. Dallas is reportedly really interested in re-signing him the same way they wanted to re-sign Dorian Finney-Smith. And they did that at the trade deadline. Um, So I don't know if it will happen, but it certainly seems like this is now a name that we've heard on numerous occasions from numerous uh, legitimate reporters around the NBA. So not surprised to see him come up again. Not surprised that the Pistons will continue to target him. He's a good player, but I'm not as of now totally bought into it, even though he's had a very successful season in Dallas. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on this, Aaron, because I think Jalen Brunson, I agree, has had a really good season, especially playing next to Luka there in Dallas because he's had to fill such a massive, massive role for them as essentially their only other dependable ball handler. Obviously, Luka is, is the offense in Dallas, but Jalen Brunson has been the only other guy to be able to take any sort of pressure off of him as the primary ball handler come in when Luca has to rest and he's done a good job of scoring. He's done a very good job of distributing. I agree with you. I think he's having a really nice season, but he was also having a really nice season last year. And guess what? He was basically unplayable in the playoffs. Rick Carlisle realized as much his defensive issues were such a big problem that he didn't play over 14 minutes in any of the last three games of that Clipper series. He started off playing like 20 minutes per game. He ended up playing 10 minutes per game because they just couldn't accept that defensive drop-off. And I don't see that as having changed whatsoever this year. It's I think it's the biggest reason why they went out and traded Kristaps Porzingis for somebody like Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Spencer Dinwiddie because they are not Contavious Caldwell-Pope. I'm sorry, for somebody like Spencer Dinwiddie um, just because they simply can't depend on Brunson. And I see, think they're still in the same position where they're not sure that he is the guy that they can play big minutes in the playoffs next to Luca. I'm not convinced of that either. So while I do think he could be a good in the short term, certainly in the regular season, I do definitely worry that if this is a team that in a year, two years is interested in going to the playoffs and making some actual noise, yeah, I worry that Jalen Brunson's perhaps the third highest payest player on that team and isn't playable in those games. That, for me, is not acceptable. Um, you could make the Jeremy Grant $20 million contract 
work even back when it was signed and it seemed like an overpay because you could at least talk yourself into saying, hey, the guy's a really good defender. Maybe he brings something more on offense that we haven't seen so far. I know Jalen Brunson's a really good offensive player. I don't see where he could possibly improve defensively. And that is my biggest issue with any potential signing that might arise there. So I'll, I'll play devil's advocate because I, I think it's a good signing. I think that you could get him on a pretty reasonable contract. He's 25. He's a shooter, which the Pistons certainly, certainly need. I think there's more defensive chops around him. Like I think if you do put him next to Cade, Cade is able to mask some of his defensive shortcomings. He's, got a career high assist percentage he's got a career high usage rate um he's turning the ball over at pretty much the exact same rate as before despite having a higher usage which i think is helpful um, and a good sign i think it fits i think four for 80 is probably what's being looked at for him and maybe i mean that's probably fair and considering the free agency crop um that's probably about what you're looking at. Um, and it doesn't seem like Dallas is going to be able to keep him or want to keep him after the moves that they just made to take on two bad contracts and send out a, like a meh, okay contract and a pick. So I think the Pistons would be wise to at least poke around and see if they could get him at less than that. But I, I don't see it being less than that. But I do think he fits the team okay. The defensive shortcomings are problematic. I don't necessarily know if we need to be looking far enough ahead into if he's unplayable defensively in the playoffs uh, or gets played off the floor yet. Right now, the Pistons would be wise to just have a player who can help them get to the discussion of being in a playoff conversation. And I think Jalen Brunson at least gets you there. Uh, um, And with a not so bad contract, you know, he does become tradable again down the road if, if you want to move that way, similar to Jeremy Grant. Um, becomes a movable, you know, okay piece. And, you know, not being around Luca and maybe not having to do as much of the playmaking. I mean, his assist percentage is like dramatically higher than the year before. Mike, Um, and his usage rate is dramatic, is dramatically higher too. I have to cut in because if the points, I hear what you're saying. He is a good player for this team in the regular season, but I don't think that takes away from the, the point of the playoffs because look, if the goal was just to make the playoffs, then you shouldn't have ever broken up the the Blake Griffin, uh, Andre Drummond's core. Like, why'd you ever break that up? Like, why not just go out there and, and get the eight seed again? I think, no, if you've chosen to pursue the path of we're going to tank, we're going to accrue picks, we're going to acquire young players, we're going to make smart signings, we're going to build something from the ground up, I think you do have to be looking ahead to winning in the playoffs more so than just making signings for the short term, for the regular season. I don't agree that you have to go like, well, you know what? He's a good player. He fits. We'll worry about the playoffs when the playoffs come. Because we've already seen him get played off the floor in the playoffs. And I don't see there being any sort of an upside there defensively. So I do have to push back on that. I I don't think that just making the playoffs can be the goal anymore. It's a lot like the hinky era, the process Sixers. No, it's not okay. It's not enough to win a playoff series. You need to go out there and you need to go win a championship in order to justify what you're doing. That's how I see it. Aaron, any thoughts? 
I, mean, I did I, preface that by saying I'm playing devil's advocate. I, I know you are. I see both sides because, like, I'm on one end. I think people should be screaming from the rooftops that the Pistons just need to get talent. And Jalen Brunson could walk in the door today and be, you know, looking at the roster, the third best player on the team, right behind Cade and, and Jeremy Grant. What do you who you have him over Jeremy Grant or do you have him over Cade? Actually, you know what? I think he's probably the best player on this roster if he walks in today. I think he's better than Jeremy and Cade. I love Cade. Really? Cade will Cade will be better, but Jalen Brunson right now is putting up 16, five and a half, and four on like 50, 37, 80 shooting. That's he's, true. He's super efficient. I, I guess I'll, I'll say, I, I guess I'll say, I think he's probably third because of the defensive liabilities. I mean, I think Cade is obviously a good defender. I don't know. Whatever it is, he's still one of the most talented players on this Pistons team. So, or would be if the Pistons signed him. Um, so I see both sides because the Pistons absolutely need, need to get talent in the door. The roster this year has not competed at a high enough level there's not enough nba talent across this roster so the pistons are in desperate need of finding guys that can play minutes for them and play them at a higher level than what some of the guys on the roster are doing currently that being said i do have those issues and that's something that i consider at any point when i'm building a team is you know will this guy or could this guy be a contributor on my team when i'm trying to win when i'm trying to compete and as much as I like Jalen Brunson, I just think there are too many limitations to where there's going to be so many things that are going to have to go right. I'm going to have to have such a good defense that I can hide him on the opposing team's worst guard. And heck, you know what? Maybe that would get you through the first round, but you get later into the playoffs and that's just, it, there's teams are too good nowadays to just hide a guy. So I, I just, I don't, I wouldn't hate the signing if it happened but I don't view it as a super, super high upside move. I, I could be convinced either way. You know, if they don't sign them, I think that's fine. If they do sign them, I, I don't love it, but it's also fine because they do need talented basketball players. So, yeah, I, I mean, I see both sides, but I'd say right now I'm leaning on I'd rather stay away from him and spend that money elsewhere rather than putting money on the table for Jalen Brunson. Last thing I'll say is I think it also depends on where the Pistons fall in the draft. And I think we, we have to take that into consideration because if the Pistons are falling outside of the top three, there's a really good chance they're taking a, a guard. And it's going to be a guy who's going to go next to Kate. It's probably going to be a point guard. It's probably going to be, you know. So I, I think that that's also something you, you have to take into consideration because if you're going to pay Jalen Brunson and then you're going to draft another guard with a top five pick um, and you still have Killian Hayes on the team and Kate Cunningham, then you're looking at a, guard rotation that's super super packed and there's only so many minutes so i think that's also something that you have to think about obviously that's not as important but it is certainly a consideration i think the pistons would have to take into account guys good stuff we have a little bit of time before free agency um you know the pistons are gonna be one of those teams with a lot of cap space a lot of maneuverability um, and not to say that we totally trust Troy Weaver. We've been pretty vocal about the um, discrepancies and small issues we've had with his team building um, and his contract giving outing. Uh, but I think Jalen Brunson is at least on paper fits um, some of the needs. He doesn't fit them perfectly, uh, but in a weak free agency class, um, you know, it's going to be, there are going to be limited options and opportunities to fill exactly um, 
what the Pistons need. That being said, I mean, throwing money, you know, Adam is not the way to go either. Um, but good stuff. We'll have a lot more free agency talk as we get closer. Um, and the NBA is always super unpredictable. Uh, but what isn't unpredictable is how effective Nord VPN is at its level of security when you have to use the internet. And people say that VPNs have a reputation for slowing down your internet, but not with Nord VPN. It's the fastest VPN in the world. Don't have to sacrifice internet speed for better security. And with Nord VPN, your internet traffic is routed through a secure encrypted tunnel, which protects your data and privacy. Nord can also be used on up to six devices. So all are protected. It's equivalent to buying a cup of coffee every month. It's a small price to pay for premium cybersecurity and access to vast amounts of entertaining content with a 30-day money-back guarantee. There's really nothing to lose. Nord VPN is if it's not if it's not for you, then you get your money back guaranteed, no risk. Grab your exclusive Nord VPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe B-L-E-A-V, or you can use the code believe that's B-L-E-A-V, for up to 70% off your Nord VPN plan plus one additional month for free. So if you're looking for premium security while maintaining high internet speed, make sure to check out today's sponsor, Nord VPN. Again, that's nordvpn.com slash believe, or just use the code believe B-L-E-A-V, for up to 70% off your Nord VPN plan plus one additional month. Okay, moving right on to Marvin Bagley and his debut with the Pistons. 10 points, eight boards against the Wiz, six points, six boards in a win against Boston. I don't know what it is. I feel like the Pistons play Boston tough. Uh, I have no statistics to back that up none whatsoever it just kind of feels that well, way i got one for you mike um, sadiq bay is shooting go ahead 70 against them for his career see that i knew probably doesn't I knew hurt it. <laughs> I, I i knew there was some reason i thought that um that was a, a nice win against uh the celtics i believe it snapped a very long winning streak that boston had so two games in how has bagley looked with the pistons so far and how does he sort of project for the rest of the season with this team? I mean, I think it's exactly what the business needed, right? I mean, we talked about it when Detroit traded for him. Marvin Bagley was the type of guy you, you throw a couple second-round picks at to get. He's the type of flyer you take. And, I mean, he did not play a, a groundbreaking level of basketball in either of his first two games with the Pistons whatsoever but you immediately saw the impact that he made on this team simply because Detroit doesn't have a player like him on the roster his ability to get up the floor his ability to finish at the rim his ability to get up at the rim were all evident in his what was it you know 40 minutes between those two games that he was on the court so he didn't have any groundbreaking you know performance by any stretch of the imagination but seeing his ability to run the pick and roll, to be an option at the room. I mean, we had that really big play with him and Kate Cunningham uh, when they connected on an alley-oop. Just having that type of option in the pick and roll, having that type of option at the rim. He is still a very incomplete player. There's still some portions of his game that look really raw. He still missed some shots that, man, they look like they should go in. I mean, they look like shots that he can make. Um, 
but defensively, obviously, there are also the concerns, and there were the times that he looked like he was struggling at that end. Um, so I don't know where he slots in long-term with the Pistons. I think right now I view him more as a role player, so I don't know if that's a guy that, you know, was a long-term piece on the Pistons. Um, but he's got a lot of games left, you know, 25 games left uh, in the second half of the season to build on his first couple performances, to build chemistry, and, and we'll see where that goes. But overall, I mean, I liked what I saw from the from the first couple of games from Bagley. And, you know, I think it was st- it's proving to be a worthwhile move from Troy Weaver and the Detroit front office. Yeah, there was – it was kind of the whole bag of what you get from Marvin Bagley, right? Got some great dunks. You got some good rebounding. Uh, you got some jaw-dropping plays, uh, both for good and for bad. He took that – you know, he had that, that great dunk, the alley-oop from Cade. And then the next possession, he takes a stupid three that he misses. So that's that's Marvin Bagley for you in a nutshell. And when he threw down that dunk, I tweeted out, I said, you see what Marvin Bagley is doing? Go get more players that do that, but better. That's what they need. Uh, you're seeing it right now, I think, especially with him, where it's not necessarily that Marvin Bagley is the answer. He's showing you, though, that the type of player that he is not only fits on this roster, but is a necessity on this roster with players like Cade Cunningham, with players like Killian Hayes. Um, and not just because of the guards, but also because of the other big men you have. Kelly Olynyk, Isaiah Stewart, they cannot do the things that Marvin Bagley does. And his skill set is simply a necessity if you're going to be a competitive team in the NBA. He gave them perhaps not a fantastic showing, against the Celtics, but he gave them a different wrinkle. He gave them a different look and he kept the defense guessing. And the Boston announcer said as much, I'm not a big fan of that broadcast team. Don't get me wrong, but they were, I think, correct in saying that what Marvin Bagley gave the Pistons in terms of energy was crucial in that game. Um, Didn't hurt that Sadiq Bey refuses to miss against the Celtics either, but for sure, I'm with you, Aaron. I'm not sure he's a long-term piece. I don't feel any different about him through two games than I did before they made the trade for him. But at the same time, I see what he brings to this team. And I hope that it convinces Troy Weaver and Dwayne Casey or whoever is going to be making these decisions that that is a type of player that needs to be showcased on this roster more because otherwise, um, I mean, we've said it all year. There's just a lack of talent. I think you're absolutely spot on with essentially saying like Marvin, the prototype of Marvin Bagley, Bagley, the archetype of his player Mm -hmm. is what the Pistons need. A higher level version of Marvin Bagley is what the Pistons need. I think that's really the perfect way to put it. A, A springy big that can stretch the floor a little bit, rebounds pretty well. They just need that. And also someone that's going to have a greater impact on the defensive end, but a better version of Marvin Bagley really is the perfect way to put it. You know who that kind of is? Paolo Banchero. Like that's what I'm hoping you can get from somebody like Paolo Banchero and why I'm hoping if they get a top two pick that, that he is still the guy. Um, Because I think Paolo can give you basically Marvin Bagley, but, but really good at basketball. Yeah, right now you're kind of looking at like a like a like a Walmart version <laughs> uh, with you know a guy that does some nice things on offense, it, it doesn't would, stretch the floor. 
I'm sorry, go ahead. No, sorry. It would be pretty funny if they replaced the number two pick from Duke with the number two pick from Duke. Um, that would be kind of – I would, I would yeah. like to see that. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's, let's hope that's where the comparisons end um, and they don't go any further than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, don't, we don't want to have uh, a generational player taken third. Oh, and also uh, the second overall pick is terrible and <laughs> hates being in Sacramento and his father hates that he's in Sacramento. Let's hope that isn't what happens. Um, but he's, you know, he has some good offensive um, tendencies to his game. You really nailed it with we need the version the better version of Marvin Bagley because even the current version, which is like a meh player can do some fun stuff, can go up and get a lob, can rebound the basketball is not very good defensively, but you know, it's okay because the the Pistons really need some semblance of a coherent offense and Tate can throw him a lob or really anybody can toss him a lob and he can go get it. Yeah. I'm, I'm with Aaron. It really doesn't, sway me any so far it's just nice to have somebody with a little more athleticism and you know spring in their step um and he's more of a role player and that's okay you know they didn't give up a whole lot for him they gave up trey lyles which that had already run its course for most of um the pistons fans but this is a good move still they didn't give up a whole lot he's still young not that anybody should be expecting him to turn into um whatever people thought he was going to be at number two overall, but he has at least got some offensive chops to him. And, you know, really the Pistons kind of need that. And, you know, the defense battle all year, it's not going to change now, but um, they get a, you know, an okay role player and, you know, we'll see how it looks the rest of the season. And I don't believe, I haven't looked at the cap numbers, um, but he is probably due for a contract extension though. Yeah, or at least well, a contract offer. I gotta well, look this up. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a, a a free agent after this season. So he is. Yeah, right. he is. So his cap his cap hold will likely yeah, be uh, like right. se- I believe it's seven and a half million dollars, uh, just because he's yeah. not going to meet the, the playing time incentives, um, which is completely oh, right. reasonable. Yes, I have the Pistons will make sure he doesn't hit that. <laughs> no, and I don't think he possibly could, even if they yeah. wanted him to. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see him come back. I think that's a, a reasonable price. We'll see what else happens in free agency, uh, and we'll also see what happens in the draft because that'll make a difference for sure. It certainly will. It certainly will. I am really ready for the draft. I have not watched nearly enough college basketball to be ready for the draft, but I am already ready for the draft because I think a lot of stuff is going to happen, not just with Pistons players, but I think a lot of things are going to happen once we hit the draft. Yeah, yeah there's that's up for this is going to be a really interesting offseason for the NBA. I mean, we saw a report today about how executives around the league are preparing for that next kind of grouping of disgruntled superstars that are going to ask for trades, whether it's Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Zion Williamson. I mean, I think there's that whole aspect to it. I think this draft is is really interesting at the top. Really, it was really the first three guys, and I think Jaden Ivey has the, the potential to work his way into that like top grouping that everyone's really intrigued with. And maybe there's a team that tries to flip their way into the, that top five or so to try to get one of these guys. I, I think the off season, especially with maybe a, a, a weaker free agency class sets up for 
something like the draft or the trade market to really heat up and, and have more intrigue around it than usual. And I think it's going to be a big offseason because who knows what's going to happen with someone like LeBron, who there was another report today about how the Lakers continue to struggle. LA could look to move away from LeBron and, you know, like he's not part of the inside of the Lakers that is really making all the decisions. And if they have another bad season, if they flounder this year and let's say they get to the playoffs, but still get knocked out in the first round, what happens with LeBron? What happens with Anthony Davis? You know, I think there's a lot going on uh, that, that sets up this off season to, to be really big. And I think that draft is, is going to be one of the big storylines. I mean, just some really interesting storylines like Chet Holmgren, who's really a, a type of player with his frame that we haven't seen in the NBA. And man, I, this offseason is going to be really interesting. And the Pistons are going to be right in the middle of that with presumably a top pick and one of the teams with the most cap space available. Yeah. And we can go on and on about the Lakers brain trust of the Rambi and uh, Jeannie bus. Jeannie, and- Jeannie, Jeannie bus going, Hmm. Who do I want? Magic Johnson, LeBron James, and Jerry West, or Kurt and Linda Rambis plus Rob Palinka, and going with the latter is so funny to me. I well, just think that's hilarious. Well, <laughs> she went with the former, and the former wanted Russell Westbrook. Yeah. So, well. Okay. Good. I, Point. There, there is there is some, and and LeBron has been a questionable team builder. I, he's been okay once those players have been traded, like. David Griffin saying, yeah, I'm going to get you J.R. Smith and Iman Shumpert, and you're going to have to figure out what to do with them. And he did, and that worked out fine. But when you ask LeBron to maybe build a team, and he says, Buddy Heald, no, 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 no. I, I'd like Russell Westbrook. After years and years of plenty of tape being created of Russell Westbrook is it, it, actually completely ineffective and a pillar of salt without the ball, we should get him. So I, I question that, but at the same time, yes, I, I don't understand how you can have Kurt and Linda Rambis be the secret brain trust that holds more power than maybe anybody else on, you know, the organizational front. I, I just don't get it. And the Lakers being able to trade their 2027 and 2029 firsts after the calendar or uh, the year, um, the NBA calendar rather rolls over. That's going to be the deciding factor that the Lakers are going to go in all in and go get a, an, an actual player to put next to James and Davis, or if they're going to blow it up. And if they do, yeah, this is where it gets pretty kooky. And the Pistons could benefit a lot from that by having all that cap space. I mean, I look, I don't want to get too into the Lakers thing, but like uh, LeBron James for his team building, whatever, he won a title in LA. Rob Palinka in the Rambi missed the playoffs six years in a row before he got there. So I'm just saying yeah, he might not be the greatest GM, but he's won titles. They haven't. I don't know, man. Um, yeah, I, I guess for me, I think the Pistons absolutely have to get there. And this is something that Troy Weaver has done at every situation. He did it with the Ben Simmons thing. He, he's done it all over the place. If there is a disgruntled star, the Pistons are going to take a look. And so I have no doubt that Troy Weaver and co. will look into anything uh, that's possible. Whether it'll happen in Detroit seems unlikely. Uh, Mike Cleveland seems like a far more far more likely destination for somebody like LeBron, based on everything that he's saying. So, basically uh, everything from his birth to now, yes. yes. 
Yeah. Um, you know, you had mentioned Chet Holmgren, and I haven't watched a whole lot of basketball from from the college side of things, but I do know that Chet Holmgren is playing some excellent basketball for Gonzaga. And people worry about his frame, and people worry about Evan Mobley's frame because he is very uh, slim. I believe Evan Mobley's nickname, and it's the best one that I've heard, is Slim Duncan. <laughs> um, can't can't be beaten much better than that, but you know, plenty of people will say as frame, he needs to take some vitamins. One of the vitamins he could take is athletic greens and tons of people take a multivitamin, but it's important to choose one that's top quality with one delicious scoop of athletic greens. You're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics to start your day, right? Their blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, immune system, energy recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar, no chemicals, nothing artificial. So reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, athleticgreens.com slash believe to get one, one year free of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. So athletic greens take ownership of your health. These statements have not been evaluated by the food and drug administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Do you like how I want that in with Chad Holmgren? Cause he looks even more slight than Evan Mobley did at USC. For, yeah. He, he, that's what I mean. Like he really does. He is having like one of the most efficient seasons in college basketball history. The way he's dominating is absolutely remarkable, but man, I'm just, I really need to to watch him more like in a full game and see how it, I'm just really not convinced it's going to translate, but I, that's, I have not done enough scouting to really make a, a completely formed opinion on that yet. And I have plenty of time to do that, but I'm definitely looking forward uh, specifically to the tournament when Gonzaga is going to start playing some definitely some more competitive teams, higher level players, etc. That's when I'm really excited to see how Chet plays, and that's when I'll probably start to watch him and some of those other guys, Paulo, Jaden Ivey, Jabari, etc., up at that top of the draft board. Um, Chet is really a, an enamoring name to me because he really has a lot of the qualities of what the Pistons need. I just I need to see that frame against higher level competition, I guess. It's just Joel Embiid. Yeah. Right. Who it looks like he could use him as a toothpick. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, no one's going to be able to stop a Joel Embiid or Nikolai Jokic, but I don't know. It's just, it's, 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 I'm not sure how he's, how he plays on the same court as one of those guys. I don't know. I mean, look, KD, when he came into the league was paper thin. When, when uh, Giannis came into the league, he was paper thin. Yeah. It might take a couple years for Chet. To, to put on muscle, but for sure, there's a reason NBA trainers are NBA trainers. They are really, really good at what they do. And there's not a lot of players in the NBA that come in with such a tiny frame and leave uh, with an equally thin frame. I, I don't really have many worries about that. I do think it's probably reasonable to wonder about the level of competition that he's facing, but there's plenty of players that have been really, really good NBA players that were really, really good in college um, that were not nearly as dominant as Chet Holmgren was, even playing against equally lesser competition. So 
for me, I think whatever, you know, evaluations I'm going to make of him, I'm not sure how much of it comes down to, you know, the quality of competition that he's facing or even uh, the body that he has right now. I think it comes down more to skill set feel and just the fact that he is so efficient on offense. It's crazy. Like he, the guy can do it all. So it's insane. And protect the rim the way that he can. He's got such a, such a complete skill set for, for a guy of that size. And like, I actually think his post game, not post game. That's not really fair. He doesn't really have a post game. I think his interior game is more refined than people give him credit for. So I don't really worry about it. I think he might take a couple of years to get there, but when he does, I see the potential for some real dominance. So we have looked a lot at a couple of college prospects uh, when our third topic is really let's look ahead to the second half. And I, I can have a much more informed discussion of prospects in a few weeks after I've watched plenty of college basketball to prepare myself for March Madness. Um, but let's look ahead to the Pistons' second half, that's quote-unquote second half of the season. Well, they're already well past the halfway point, but second half of the season. What are we really looking forward to? Um, there's a lot of things that have changed throughout the year. The Marvin Bagley trade has changed. Kate Cunningham really cementing himself as a Rookie of the Year candidate and, and a top, top uh, Rookie of the Year candidate right next to Evan Mobley. Um, Killian Hayes has moved to the bench. Um, Jeremy Grant is back and he wasn't moved at the deadline. Uh, you know, Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart, those were the guys that were good last year, or at least showed something last year. And they've sort of fallen off at times and have come back at times and fallen off at times. What are you looking forward to the second half of the season, Aaron? Definitely looking for this team to, to, to start competing and, and, and putting stretches together, not just in a game, but over multiple games where, they look like they're playing a brand of basketball that is equal to their opponent. And last year, and I know we've talked about this before, but last year's team was bad, but they competed every night and, and they fought every night. And if the Pistons can replicate the way that they played last year, if they can replicate how they played against Boston in their final game before the all-star break, that is a, a major win for them in trying to salvage this season that has been pretty disastrous uh, in terms of injuries, in terms of guys not playing up to snuff, but them finding some sort of happy medium of, yeah, we're not a good team, but we're still going to be competitive. We're not going to get played off the floor. We're not going to play with little energy. We're not going to just turn the ball over 20 times a night. We're not going to be the worst shooting team in the NBA. If they can try to find some sort of happy medium, get better over the next 25 games and not just look like a team slogging through the rest of the season. I mean, that is absolutely at the top of, of my list of, of, of hopes for the Pistons, that Boston game, you know, they're not going to go out and win every night, but that performance against Boston is really what you're looking for. They competed on the defensive end. They allowed for some of the plays they made defensively to lead to their success offensively. Guys had shot. Sadiq Bey had a nice game. Cade Cunningham put together, ended up putting together a pretty good performance. Jeremy Grant was phenomenal. You know, he, he, he was very efficient shooting the basketball, didn't take a ton of bad shots, you know, and isolate on a bunch of possessions. You, he made some big defensive plays as well later in the game. You definitely want to see him make an impact on the glass a little bit more. I know that was something that people were nitpicking, but the Pistons, you know, 
finding a way to compete and fight for a full 48 and for not just one slot of 48 minutes, but for multiple slots of 48 minutes, consecutive nights, that is absolutely the goal for them growing as a team. That is really what it is. And, and I guess on the flip side is working in some new players. Like I'm interested in seeing Isaiah livers is back. You know, he played uh, for the motor city cruise in our last game. Chris Smith has been playing really well with the motor city cruise. Um, Jamorco Pickett. I know he's been hurt. He should be back soon. Uh, I, I want to see some of those guys get on the court with the Pistons. Uh, you know, with those last 25 games, you know, maybe around the last 12 to 15 games, those guys come up and, and, and get to see some run with Detroit. I mean, I, I got like Chris Smith is someone that really interests me. I, I should have a story on him soon coming out on palaceofpistons.com. But uh, on top of competing, getting in some of those other guys, those young players that really haven't had a chance to play big minutes. You know, I want to see Saban Lee up on the Pistons main roster again, getting, getting some minutes over Corey Joseph. Um, so those are really the, the two biggest things on my list uh, that I'm looking for uh, from Detroit, but it definitely starts with, with putting together complete games. The wins don't necessarily have to be there, but if they can get back to last season where, Hey, the Pistons suck, but they're going to fight you for 48 minutes. And if you don't meet their compete level, you're going to end up getting a game stolen from you. That's really what I'm looking for uh, uh, over the last 25 games. Yeah, I just want to see what this team is. I want guys to stay healthy and just just show me what they are because I remember when they made that, you know, Sekou Demboya, DeAndre Jordan trade at the beginning of the season. That was the last player from the 2018 team that was even on the roster. They no longer had any other players from even two seasons earlier after they made that Sekou Domboya trade. And if this team is going to be good at some point in the near future, a similar type of exodus is going to have to happen. Um, I need to see who on this team is worth keeping around, who on this roster is worth keeping in Detroit. And I think it's crucial that the Pistons make the right decisions here because if they're going to be any good, most of these players can't be on this squad. I think that that's one of those things that, you know, a lot of people kind of neglect when they think about, oh, well, Hamadou and Sadiq and Killian and this. And, and guess what? Most of these guys are not going to be on this roster when they're any good because that's why they're not any good. It's because this is their roster. So I want to see what can Kelly Olenek give me when he's healthy? What role can Jeremy Grant play when he's on the court at the same time as Kate Cunningham and Sadiq Bey? Where does Sadiq Bey fit into this offense? Is he just a spot-up shooter who occasionally gets into the lane? Or is he doing more like he was at the beginning of the season? Um, like you said, Aaron, I'm with you. I want to see what Isaiah Livers can bring me. I want to see what Chris Smith can bring me. I want to give Sadiq, uh, um, Saban Lee another shot at this roster. How does Killian Hayes look for the rest of the season now that it seems like he's pretty firmly entrenched on the bench? So for me, health and just figuring out who's worth keeping on this roster because there's going to have to be some big overhauls this this next offseason and the next offseason after that when the Pistons do have presumably some high draft picks um, as well as some young players and a whole bunch of cap space. I think being healthy is what I would want to see. I just want to see the, you know, what the current level of the team is at, you know, the sum of the parts that they have. And you're right. A lot of these guys are not going to be on this team. Um, 
because they're not good. And when this team is good, they will not be here. I like Hamadou Diallo. I think he has a role. Um, that's, you know, not to say that he is, you know, a, a completely critical component to this team. Um, but, you know, he has his role. And I want to see that role with the rest of the guys healthy and, you know, see if it amounts to anything. Um, but, yeah, health, health is what I am really interested in. Killian Hayes being off the bench is what I'm interested in. Um, if that leads to any more offensive opportunities, if he gets more aggressive, um, that would be nice to see. Because right now, again, still, it, it's just not there. Um, he has looked a little bit more comfortable coming off the bench, which is nice to see. But um, I want to see how that progresses, hopefully into some slightly better offense next year. Um, and then Jeremy Grant's impact on the rest of this team for the rest of the year. He wasn't traded. I don't know how much that loomed over players. I don't know if they all felt, yeah, he's not going to be moved or if um, this was all just media hyping it up too much, which it entirely could have been, um, you know, but his impact on these young guys and then Cade continuing to get better, more comfortable. He's obviously one of the, you know, top two, maybe top one reasons to watch this team. Um, so seeing him progress and get better, uh, particularly shooting the basketball. And I know he has to do a lot because he's, you know, arguably um, the most important impactful player, even right now. Um, so he does have to shoulder a lot of the offensive load, but, you know, seeing some progressions uh, and like Aaron said, taking it game to game, not just a couple of good possessions over the course of the game, taking a lot of that momentum uh, across multiple games um, will be nice to see. And, you know, I don't want to be too hopeful, but having full health, I think we will get to see um, a pretty good, a pretty good picture of what this team um, is fully capable of. And hopefully some clarity on what's going to happen in the off season. Cause like you guys have said, there could be a lot of change depending on a couple of teams and their decisions to move forward or move on from players. Um, the Pistons could be the recipients of uh a byproduct of some major league moves, much like the Cavs were with Jared Allen. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, see uh, how the whole league plays out. But for the Pistons side of things, just that growth uh, with their young guys, hopefully Sadiq Bay can put together a nice finish. Um, hopefully Isaiah Stewart can provide the energy off the bench um, like he did last year. Or, I'm sorry, provide the energy um in like rebounding defense, just be the, I hate to say this because it's not like Tristan Thompson, but like a Tristan Thompson type of player. Rich man's um, Ed Davis. Rich man's Ed Davis. I remember the first game I ever watched of Isaiah Stewart. I was like, oh, this guy could be a rich man's Ed Davis. And I stand by that comparison to this day. So. Rich man's Ed Davis. Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah, that's yeah. Isaiah Stewart. I would take that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's fine. <laughs> yeah, I think I would uh, accept that. So, but really, it's Cade growing up, Killian assimilating to that bench role, and hopefully gaining a little bit more confidence on offense, and um, no more, no more injuries, just to see what we have here, fellas. We ran through all of our topics already. Um, any other thoughts here as we get set to wrap up this edition? Uh, if you see Sadiq Bay over under on points set anything below 16 and a half, take the over. Thank me okay. later. 
Okay. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that now. Thursday, yeah. Thursday's game. I'm going to take it if it's over 60, over 60. Oh, I've been, I've been doing it since Jeremy Grant went down. It's the greatest parlay like thing ever. If you okay. are into parlays, but also it just, it hits, it hits almost like, you know, 60% of the time it works a hundred percent of the time. So. <laughs> Look, I'm just glad this is our last podcast before Pistons basketball is back. Um, this just confirmed this, you know, last week or whatever it's been since, uh, you know, team stopped playing regular season games that I really need basketball in my life. So uh, very glad that this is the last time I'm going to have to talk about it for, you know, the next couple of months without having a Pistons game on the docket or just the NBA slate on the docket overall. So uh, ready to, for this regular season to get back underway Thursday. Uh, it starts actually with the Pistons and the Cavs. That's the first game, seven o'clock. Yes. Yes. And enjoy the remaining games because they will go quickly prior to the podcast. That's we're talking about the playoffs. It's already nearly March when we are recording this playoffs are like six to seven weeks away. I think, I think it got real for me when um, I, I think it was Shams Sharani of the athletics said that Chris Paul's out for six to eight weeks. And that puts him on a recovery path to return for maybe the first round of the playoffs. And I thought, Oh, wow, that is not far away at all. Um, so six to eight weeks, we are going to be in the midst of playoff basketball. So seeing as the Pistons are not one of those teams that are going to be making it oh, to the playoffs. Enjoy, Mike. enjoy these last games. <laughs> Come on. They're only 15 games out of the 10 spot. There's always a chance. Always. It's so, <laughs> oh, so ye of little chance. <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. Jeez. Well, you don't think this team can, can, can literally win out and get like the nine seed. <laughs> <laughs> well, Considering that we just wanted them to put together multiple good games as opposed to multiple good possessions, like like move up from multiple good possessions per game to multiple games. I yeah, I you know being a little pessimistic, you know, it's yeah. it's what I do as a they're, Cleveland sports fan and as a Detroit uh, immigrant sports fan. They're gonna go on a on a like an 07 Rockies type run. Just you watch, just you watch, buddy. Yeah, and the Cleveland baseball team really should have uh, not blown a 3-1 lead to the Red Sox that year. That that really would have been nice. So that they could have faced those 07 Rockies in the World Series Say instead of watching Boston smash them. Uh, oh, well. Um, oh, any have, have we recorded a podcast since the Super Bowl ended? I, I don't think we did. No. I don't think so. Guys, you are Detroit sports fans. Are you happy? For Matthew Stafford oh, winning that's, a Super Bowl. No, nah, they're not related whatsoever. Stop. Not having – this is not a conversation. That is <laughs> – Matthew Stafford winning a Super Bowl is so yeah. independent of the Detroit Lions. I'm so mad that people have made that a storyline. Like, there's nothing to do with the Lions, guys. But there are so many slappy Lions fans out there that feel entitled to <laughs> that Super Bowl because Matthew Stafford played football for the Lions. Guess what? He didn't win a playoff game with the Lions. So the Lions should not get any sort of – nor should Lions fans feel any sort of connection to that whatsoever. So I know a bunch of people are now going to be crying and, and all upset in the YouTube comments <laughs> if you've made it this no. far. But wake up. That's a partici participation trophy type mentality. Anyone who bought a Detroit Rams t-shirt should be put into a gulag in <laughs> Siberia. Okay? Right. Send them to the front line of, the U of Ukraine. I don't care. You are not allowed to be a member of our society any longer if you bought a Detroit Rams t-shirt. And I will go to my grave saying that. That being Terrible. said, 
I'm happy for Stafford. Uh, the Lions are an absolute joke. They're a disgrace not just to the NFL, not just to the city of Detroit, but to American sports in general. Uh, they should move. The Ford uh, family should be forced to sell the team. Ford Field should be razed to the ground uh, and salt sprinkled on the ashes so nothing can grow there ever again. That is how I feel about that. Good for Matthew Stafford. Wow. He's never the problem in Detroit. The Fords are the problem. The Lions organization is the problem. And it'll always be the problem. And as long as people continue to fill up Ford Field every single week, while the Ford family spits in your face and gives you a crap product year after year after year, guess what? You deserve to be hurt. You deserve the pain. You're the chump. You're the guy who keeps on getting scammed out of his NFTs on a weekly basis. You deserve it. Sorry. And that's all I got to say on that. Oh my gosh. That was perfect. That Enjoy was all the perfect. pain. Enjoy the pain. It's what you I'll want. Tell you I'll tell you what, there's not a lot of Browns fans there who are, uh, well, actually it's split half, half of uh, who are happy for Odell Beckham Jr. to get a Super Bowl ring. Uh, also not a lot of Browns fans happy to see Joe Burrow in the Super Bowl. There's a weird, like if you live in Ohio, you have to root for any Ohio team uh, mentality there because for some reason everyone says Ohio's the underdog for everything. And maybe that's true, but um, Jasper, uh, I, I hope that rant Somebody clips that rant and puts it um, on Twitter, and I and I hope that goes viral. I, I hope everybody hears that. Um, this has been the latest edition of the uh, Detroit Rams podcast, part of the Blue. No, no, I'm just <laughs> our, our claim to fame as a as a Pistons podcast is one of our one of our hosts rambling of the Super Bowl. I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, this is uh, fantastic. Next is going to be a uh, Detroit Tigers. Uh, Aaron, how how could they not win with David Price? Oh my and, God, uh, Mike, Justin Verlander, Matt do Scherzer. not get me started on Jim Leland. If you get me started on Jim Leland in his pee-stained underwear, I right, Mike, swear to Mike, God, wrap it up. Oh no, <laughs> I can I can tell you, we we here in Cleveland also don't like. Jim Leland, because he was the manager for the Marlins in 1997 when uh, Craig Council scored the game-winning run and the uh, Cleveland baseball team blew a, blew a World Series that they should have won against an inferior Florida Marlins team. So we can at least have that Jim Leland sentiment. But uh, for the sake of all of our listeners' eardrums, uh, we will go ahead and wrap this edition of the podcast up. It's been a fun one. We're ready for the second half quote-unquote second half of the NBA season to get started and it will get started here with Cavs and Pistons on Thursday so for my co-host Aaron Johnson Jasper Apollonia thank you so much for listening Palace of Pistons fans and we'd like to thank our sponsors again Bet Online, Nord VPN and Athletic Greens and we will see you all next time Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.